Good morning. How is everybody? Good. We are here. All right. Let's open with prayer. <laughs> right? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are always revealing something fresh and new that is um, salient for the moment that you have us in. Father, I just ask that what you've given me um, will only be, the, what I speak will only be the the desires of your heart, Father, and what you want to communicate. And let us all be encouraged and strengthened in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so the teaching started, um, was it two weeks ago, I think, when Net was teaching, or maybe Carmen was before, and it was Net before that, nonetheless. And it was talking about leading the blind in ways that they've not seen. And it just kind of really stood out to me. I'm like, I need to look into that. And then when David was teaching and it came up again about um, something to do with blind. And I just remember I was talking going, I guess I've not really looked into, you know, if when people who had a point of blinding that there was when their eyes saw if there were specific points of revelation. But as all teachings go, you know, you start with one thing in mind and it it's not exactly how you thought it was going to turn out, um, but I'm trusting it's what God wants. So I've entitled it The Strength of the Blind, and you'll see once we get through our working definition why. So I started off um, in Isaiah 42, and the word for blind there is this word, it, it were, I don't even know how to say it. There's two W's. I don't know if one is silent and one is pronounced. <laughs> Um, but it means blind, you know, blind men or people, but then it roots to or our O-W-R through the idea of a film over the eyes. Um, and that roots back to U-W-R, which means to be naked um, by implication to hide. It talks about leather or like the hide of a skin and it roots back from there to a primitive root that means to be naked. And it even, so like you have the UWR and it's, you know, that first U783, but then 782, it's only one number later. But it also there is talking about in the sense of raising or bearing a burden um, properly, a young ass is just broken to a load. Hence, they say an ass, a colt, a foal. Um, so through the idea, and we're talking about blind, but then that roots back to through the idea of opening the eyes to wake, um, to master or to rise up or to stir oneself. So the working definition would be one who carries the burden of devotion or one who is committed to the purpose at hand and blind to any other way. This causes one to be vulnerable to one purpose only forsaking all other coverings of identity. And this also leads you to trusting in the thing you're focused on will bring provision you need to fulfill your task. And, you know, when it was talking about the foal or the ass, if you think about, you know, a young colt being highly spirited and strong, but then they have to be subdued to carrying the load. You know, you think about like when a rider first gets on the back of a horse and the horse's first instinct is to buck them off. And so until they submit themselves to, okay, I'm going to commit to the load that's on me. If it's there, I'm not going to fight it and I'm going to let it stay. That it's that same mentality. So then 
I put the definition as one who, it implies one who has vitality and strength, but has submitted their strength to carrying the burden. And in this submission, they rise to the occasion, which is a moment of grace. Because anytime we're rising up, you're going, we identify that as being a point of grace. So it just gives a very different perspective on what it is when you're talking about someone who's blind. So with that in mind, let's go to Isaiah 42, verses 5 through 7. And you know what is this? Maybe I felt like I didn't need all my little words. Okay. So, and it says, thus saith God the Lord, he that created, and so God, Elohim, Lord, Yahweh, so the heart of the plans and purpose of God, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people, so if I remember, I don't know why I didn't write it on this page, but I think that breath is ruah. Uh, uh, no, spirit is ruah. Breath, neshumah. Right. But it just, it just talks about like vitality or like the living breath of people, right? For the breath. Yeah, vital breath. That's the breathing. Okay. So it gives breath into the, breath into the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, so I, Yahweh, the plans and purpose, have called thee in righteousness. So to look for my perspective and will hold thine hand and will keep thee. And I believe there the word hand, it has to do with that hollowness for grasping. And keep usually, if I'm thinking correctly, is shamar. But, and I'm so sorry. I don't know why on this first part of the scripture, I did not write my Hebrew words. To guard and watch over. Okay. And give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes. So to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And the word for darkness there is Hoshek, um, which, yeah, where's mine? Again, I wrote it somewhere else, but let me go to my summation there, um, more or less that being blind is more about our devotion to one thing that we see or focus on to the exclusion of all else. So when we are delivered from our devotion to anything other than the plans and purpose of the heart of God, we're brought out of darkness. And so this word Hoshek has to do with this darkness encompasses misery and destruction and death and an ignorance that occur when we're not functioning in the truth. And, you know, this was Isaiah. So we know Isaiah was speaking, you know, prophetically about Jesus coming, but we also know that his, Jesus being the firstborn of many sons, that this is also what we offer those who have had their devotion. They have a um, commitment or a, um, what is the word I want? Discipline. You know what? If I just keep reading what I wrote, I have it further down. So let me keep reading. <laughs> um, and with that thought about Hoshek and the misery and death, it reminded me of the scripture that talks about, you know, many are the plans and man's heart, but the end thereof is destruction. So, you know, when we have our eyes focused on another passion, we can make all sorts of plans based on that. But the end of it, if it's not lined up with the vision of God, it's not going to be productive. Um, and so 
with that mindset, you have to figure if God can redeem one who has the discipline to be devoted to one purpose, because it does take discipline to have one thing that you focus on and that becomes everything that you do, you know, everything in life is working towards seeing that thing come to its end or developing yourself so that you can function more fully. Like if you think of an athlete, you know, they devote their whole life to their training to become a better athlete and they schedule their life, you know, the time that they may spend grocery shopping or that they spend with friends or family, or if they go to church, you know, it's kind of like their exercise, their sport comes first, and then they work the rest of their life around that. So, um, but if God can take somebody with that sort of discipline to be devoted and cause that purpose, that misplaced devotion to be focused on partnering with his kingdom, you think about the strength that's gained in that. And, you know, I felt like in light of having a team going into Brazil, you know, and knowing that the people down there, you know, a lot of us were there the last time and they have a passion, you know, they have a devotion and I, um, yeah, I, you know, that focus to want to partner, you know, again, we saw it most demonstratively, um, in worship. But with that being said, and not that worship isn't essential, but that you really want it to be kind of like that. And I'm getting ahead of myself because one of the other scriptures brings in that I in principle that, you know, Pastor Ron released where we have our eyes focused on what God is doing at the time that he's doing it so that even though this can be people with a misplaced devotion, we also don't want it to be us with our passions focused on not what God's doing at that moment, you know, whatever he's doing in that moment, what he needs us to have our focus on and then to be declaring that is where we want to make sure we're aligning with. Um, and, you know, so it seems to me that we also know someone in scripture like this and the account in Acts where Saul, who became Paul, you know, he was a zealot, a zealot, zealot, zealot who passionately and devotedly pursued a purpose of eradicating. Yeah, it's not in order. Your Acts scripture is down at the last page on the bottom. Um, because it's not the same word for blind, but it was this principle, which is why I put it at the bottom, but it's incorporated. Um, so he was a zealot who was passionately and devotedly pursued his purpose of eradicating those who opposed what he stood for. However, God turned that passion through his glory so that Paul, well, Saul, who then became Paul, would now be a witness or would serve God's heart and his purpose. And so while this is a New Testament scripture, and it's not using this word blind, it were, it's the same concept of somebody who had a passion, they were ardently going one direction, and then the father totally turned him for what he wanted. Um, and so if we start in Acts 22, verse 11 through 15, and it says, and this is right after he's been blinded, and he talks about, you know, the glory of the Lord coming down and it being bright. And he says, and when I could not see, and the word for see there is emblepo, meaning he could not look fixedly, he could not discern clearly for the glory of that light, being led by the hands of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. 
And it said, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report and report is actually martyrio. So a witness, a martyrion, somebody who's died to themselves and their own ideas of all the Jews, which dwelt there came unto me and stood. And the word for stood is epihisteme. And so epi means like a, a superimposition on top of, and we know histeme is that um, upright point that establishing for what the father's doing. So when Ananias came, he was superimposing over him the will of the father. And through this, he, and he said unto me, brother Saul, receive thy sight. And so that is anablepo, which means to look up, to receive sight. And the same hour, and this is that word we've recently talked about, aura, which we know to be season. I looked up, so anablepo upon him. And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know. So gnosko, that know that you know his will or his purpose, his desire, and see that just one. And shouldest hear and see as Ido. And when it says, and shouldest hear, that's a kuo. So that's to hear with understanding the voice of his mouth. And voice there actually is phono, which roots to phos and means light. And we know that, you know, that light representing that perfect truth of the father but that we also know that when we take light into the darkness, which is what Ananias was doing for Saul, who was going to become Paul, that when it talks about the voice of his mouth, that the, um, you know, mouth, while it does refer to a gash in the face or language, but it also talks about the front edge of a weapon. So, and it goes on to say, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen. So Horeo discerned and heard Akuo. So the father planned, well, the father's plan allowed Saul to see and understand how the son, because initially he's talking about Saul being able to see how that just one. So the son used his voice as a weapon of warfare to bring light to darkness. And in this way, he would die to his own agenda that had him focusing on the wrong thing to be one who would then declare what he had been allowed to discern and understand in regards to how sons operate. And this came through the words of a faithful saint, one who had already died to self and was committed. And so, you know, the other thought process is so many times when you think of the word blind, you just think of one who's unseen, you know, because yes, it does mean that. But to realize that, again, a blindness to all else except for the heart of God, you know, when somebody has that misaligned, when you can realign that point of function that, yes, that there's actually a strength in being blind to everything else. We just have to be blind to all the right things, meaning those things that aren't of the Father or aligning. And so then going back to the Old Testament, if you want to flip back over, we're still in Isaiah 42, but down at verse 16. And if anybody has any input, feel free. Oh, wait, people are still scrolling. <laughs> because this was the scripture that Net used that first kind of got me on the path of, um, you know, 
walking by a way they knew not. And so starting in 16, it says, and I will bring the blind. So this is our word here. It were. Um, so those devoted and focused on one thing only by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. So it's interesting here because when he's talking about, you know, and I will bring the blind, the word for bring is the word yalak that talks about carrying, but it also means to lead or to prosper one. So if you're causing somebody to prosper who had previously been devoted or focused only on one thing, but you're going to cause them to prosper in a different way. You know, the word for way is Derek, which I know Nettie touched on as well, but that road or the course of life and um, that they knew not. So something that they've not, the word for new is yada, so that they've not ascertained by seeing. And, you know, when it says I will lead them, the word for lead is, so you have Derek, D-E-R-E-K and Darak, D-A-R-A-K. And that word means to tread but also to string a bow. So by treading on it and bending, you then lead it forth. And he says, lead them forth and lead them in paths that has to do with a beaten track, one that's worn, that they have not known. Sorry. And that goes back to the word yada. And the word for darkness is just darkness is withholding light, but then light has to do with happiness, lightning, to make luminous or set on fire. Um, and when you have, and it says, these things will I do, that word for things is actually debar. So if the father is going to lead and make prosperous, those who will defunction, those who will defunction, I'm trying to like put two words together. <laughs> Devoted and function is defunction. So, right? Um <laughs> Oh, I may be defunctional, but <laughs> so the father will lead and make prosperous those who will function as one devoted only to his ways where their devotion and vulnerability has been misplaced. He will take them down a course of life. They have not yet seen the idea of, you know, it's, and it reminded me of the idea of first we do, and then we teach, um, you know, he will cause them to bend their strength so they will assume his burden and travel the path of grace he has set before them. In this, the areas where the light has been withheld, they will find their passion set on fire by his desire. And in this, they will operate in pleasant and prosperous ways for the kingdom of God. And they'll be able to see with a vision that's no longer distorted. And you just realize this is part of the father's carefully laid out plans for taking dominion which is why he's not going to relinquish his desire to use these blind ones. And when it says, um, I will not forsake them, that has to do with loosen or relinquish. You know, just because somebody has a misplaced passion, God's not going to say, well, they're too far gone because they're solely devoted to this. He knows that that can actually, well, is a powerful tool in his kingdom. And we have to remember too, again, back to that I am principle that if we are fully have our eyes fully devoted to what he's doing, that obviously our strength is in our alignment with his purpose alone.
one. Um, okay. Um, I thought it was interesting too that this verse also is kind of like a um, um, showcase for the fact that um, we're, the journey is what it's all about. Right. The journey and the paths and the and the way that he takes us and develops us through that is really. I mean, the end is a no contesting. Right. We know it's that's going to happen, but the journey is what is important, and that's kind of what it. Right. He about works through and this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so then you just anticipate that, and I know this has been stated, you know, stated more than once recently, but that it is about the journey, and so. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise those things that the Father is using to make your blindness a strength, you know, to cause you to walk in his path. And it's going to be one that you've not seen because it requires his glory to make it known to you, you know, which all has to do with his timing. And it's like, you know, the glory that accompanies those who are working on behalf of his purpose, you know, that glory is essential to open our eyes as we're walking so that the path that maybe we didn't see the way forward, he's showing us. And then that's how his dominion is known. Well, it, um, it truly speaks about how God never develops us without infrastructure. You know, he, he doesn't put us up as a facade. There is always that behind the scenes that supports where we are right now. Right. And, and so that means that what we know of God and how we are functioning in, in this present time is being fully supported by what God has brought us from and through this path so that what is before us at this point is orchestrated by God and known by God to be able to be um, overcome by us or to be implemented by us. Right. And that's just it. It's like a kind of like a double issuance because not only is it for our building and our overcoming, but that that's what we have to keep in mind when we are releasing this truth to others as well, that this is how the father's working because certainly there's lots of people you come across with lots of different personalities and lots of different ideas for how, you know, the passions they have should be played out and how that should look within the body of sons, you know, and so it's as much about the journey the father's bringing them on to help their eyes see that maybe how they think things should be going, how their gifting should be applied may not necessarily be how they originally thought, but that we have that discernment like Ananias to be able to speak that because even Ananias questioned God initially when he said, go and speak to Paul. He's like, wait, the one who just killed all of your, you know, all these people who represent your heart, the one who's been going through the temples and stood there and held the coats while Stephen was stoned, you know, just when you can see that, but that you're going, okay, Lord, let me not be blind to what you're doing in this moment, but that I'm focused on what you're doing so that when I see somebody in this capacity, that you're helping them to realize the journey the father has them on, I guess is a good way to say that. Well, and even it's interesting because, you know, it talks about, um, you know, when Saul, when he was being led by the hand, that led by the hand again, roots back to that word that talks about that hollowness for grasping that we've come to associate with partnership, you know, in the winter when there's nothing. So when he wasn't seeing, the father had people there who were bringing him to Damascus where Ananias was, who were going to bring him to that point on that journey where he would then have his eyes opened and that declaration of truth released to him that gave him that point of understanding. So, all right. 
Um, and so the next scripture is in Psalms 146, verses 8 through 10. And it says, The Lord, or Yahweh, so the plans and purpose of God, openeth the eyes. So open means, well, eyes actually there means open to be observant of the blind. So the plans and purpose of God will open so that the eyes of those people to be observant who have been focused on one thing. The plans and purpose, Yahweh, the Lord, raiseth up them that are bowed, um, which is kapap, which means to curve or bow down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth, which is our word shamar, so it hedges about and protects the strangers. And a stranger being gare or a guest, also a foreigner or an alien. He relieveth the fatherless. And it's interesting because the word for relieveth is ud, U-D, which talks about a duplication, but also to repeat or restore, but to protest or testify as well. Um, So he duplicates the fatherless. And the fatherless is talking about one who's lonely or bereaved um, and the widow. And a widow actually just refers to a desolate place. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. And so it's like he's using the enemy's own tactics against him because that upside down really means to bow yourself, to make crooked, or to overthrow. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. And, you know, you just look at this as the plans and purpose of God will raise the blind up in grace, cause them to rise to the occasion and to be observant of his ways, so they are no longer bowed down. And I seem to remember something about his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, it just gives a different perspective on that. And his burden will actually cause us to rise up. You know, when we take on the passion, the burden of his heart, we're not going to be bowed down to all the demands of the enemy, which is really the world and other people, how they say it should look. But we are only submitted to God. And in that, because our submission is always about the journey, is always about growing in grace, that's really an ongoing point of promotion. It's being lifted up and not just made to feel heavy and feel like you can't take that next step because the Father is always providing for exactly what's needed. So, so I say you're still looking, Mom. Did you have any other insight there? No, just the fact that his eternal plan is the thing that's doing all of this. It, I mean, right. and because because that's what opens the eyes of those that are devoted to other causes. Um, it's not his heart, even though his heart is part of his plan. Right. But it's not his heart, and it's not any other capacity of, of him. It's his plan, which fortifies why we have to go and teach. Right. Or there's no other way that plan gets to people. Right. For them to understand that right. plan and purpose. Absolutely. Right. And I also thought it was cool when he he puts that that uh, hedge of protection around those people that are newcomers that don't have really any inherited rights, right? You know, which we should all be thankful for because we're all Gentiles. We're, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that is very cool because again, it's like his plans and purpose are preserving those that he would, um, again, that may be passing through. But then at the same time, because I think like 
when you go study that out, you know, with the foreigner and the alien, it also talks about, you know, passing through, but yet there's still a point of, um, well, but like we said, if it relates back to us, who we are as Gentiles that, you know, bringing us in and guarding that we could be part of that. I think it's cool too, because we're seeing this actually, um, manifest right now in all of our own lives, because with, with everything that's going on in the world right now, um, Annette and I were talking the other day how some people are just getting so looking at everything happening and just thinking, oh my gosh, where can I go? I mean, if some, if this country falls, where can I go? And that's not really the focus of people who are following his eternal plan, right? you know, because he raises us up above all that, right? you know, and, and we're, we've got a higher calling and that's the focus. And it doesn't even matter if the country falls, of course it matters, but you know, right. if it but falls, still gonna be he still has a purpose for us. We're still about his business. Absolutely. And it just is going to be under a different circumstance than what it was before. Right. Well, and you realize there will be people then who are coming. You'll have those who have been lonely and bereaved and who have felt desolate that then because our focus is not on what's going on, but our focus is on what the father's doing, that it's like wherever their passion, even if their passion was set on being a patriot, you know, that you're able to direct that passion towards, well, really, this is what the father's doing. You don't have to find another country. You don't have to find another land, but the father brought it to this point. So you can realize that your, um, not just inheritance. What is the word I want? When you live, not occupation. I mean, it works, but, oh, Lord, what is the word? Citizenship. <laughs> Get there eventually. You know, it's really, it's in heaven because when you are viewing your life as a citizen of heaven and how you function in his kingdom, no matter where you are, it's all about his kingdom coming and it's all about what you're doing to see that happen so that in the midst of it, you're releasing what's bringing his kingdom to bear Regard, like, you know, that what's being allowed in the physical is what's needed so that his kingdom can come to bear. So that when you release what's from his heart, it's going to bring about his kingdom purpose on this earth is the reality. It, it's, it enables us to separate so many Christians are really tap, tapped in, tapping into the politics and equating those with scripture. Right. And, you know, that's also, um, subjective depending on what's happening at the moment and it really it doesn't while while those things that are manifesting are are part of the things that are occurring on the timetable they're not the focus again you know if and if you've got that focus i was thinking of uh you know a church i'm familiar with where several people left because the church wasn't talking more political and and yet one of the individuals that left was just sharing with someone the other day that now she feels all alone because nobody, nobody's her friend. Well, it's not that nobody's her friend. It's that she's put herself over in this point of isolation, which is exactly what the enemy wants you to do right. where you're focused on all the wrong things. Right. And that has become the passion and the cause of your life. And you don't see the bigger picture to right. know what, what it is that God's doing. You're trying to mold God into the circumstances rather than looking at, God and what he's doing and letting the circumstances just kind of exist around. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So let's go to Isaiah 29 verses 17 through 19. 
and starting in verse 17, it says, Is it not yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes, so here's our word, I-N, um, and the eye, sorry, of the blind, and this is our word, it were, blind, shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. So when it says, is it not yet in a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field. So, you know, fruitful, obviously, when you look it up, it does. It talks about being fruitful, about provision, um, but that it shall be esteemed. And esteemed has to do with like a plating. It's like you think of if you plate somebody's hair, you're braiding it, you're interweaving it. Um, but it also talks about to fabricate and usually in a malicious sense. But um, And so it will be interwoven as a forest or it says as a cosp of bushes or to thicken with vendor. And I thought I looked the word Vendor up because I don't know it. But if I did, I didn't write it down. So if anybody wants to give me, <laughs> I was doing good apparently yesterday with my, uh, um, when it says as a forest, it's talking in verse 17 that the fruitful field shall be esteemed or shall be interwoven as a forest. Yes. No, Vendor, V-E-N-D-U-R. Okay, well, there you go. Oh, maybe I left an R out. <laughs> go ahead, Dad. I'm doing good today. I was just saying, um, thinking about how the forest represents a, um, uh, a, a network of support. Um, I, you know, you see developers who will go in and clear out many trees and just leave a few. And what you'll have is very tall trunks with all the foliage at the very top because the the forest dim light keeps the foliage from developing underneath. So it all goes to the very top and the very tall trees. And when you remove the rest of the trees from around that one tree, uh, it loses its support and it's easily broken or pushed over by strong winds. Whereas if the forest is left around it, it supports and keeps those tall trees upright. Right. And so there is a, a sense that weaving together of support that that keeps that intact. And so I, I, I really see this being the concept that's being talked about here. You talk about plaiting the hair, you know, making it together. The same idea of that rope, three-stranded rope. It's, mm -hmm. it's that plaiting together that makes all the strands strong and, and not easily broken. And so I see this as that same concept where the forest is that place that can't be pushed over by strong winds because there is mutual support uh, in purpose. Absolutely. And then, oh, go ahead, Mom. Look the word up. It's, it's talking about green vegetation, especially grass or herbage, fresh, flourishing vegetation and a greenness. Oh, very good. So supply. <laughs> like you said, you know, you support, you supply. And so then when it says, in that day shall the deaf ear hear the words of the book and the eyes. So that aligning that well or the aligning of our eyes and committing ourselves to the purpose of the Lord, 
that aspect of those who will be devoted to one thing, then they will ra'ah. They will be able to discern the tobe from the raw, that shall see, is ra'ah, out of obscurity, which means very dark, and out of darkness, and that's our word hoshek that we talked about earlier that has to do with misery or death or ignorance. And so when, you know, those who are pursuing one thing are having their eyes aligned with the ways of the Father, then the meek also, which we know are those who are having their power applied in a very precise manner, will increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men, you know, those who are poor in spirit, will rejoice. And that's roots to ghoul, well, gil, which roots to ghoul. So we'll spin, around, spin about, we know that's that dance of restoration, and the Holy One of Israel. So, you know, this support that the Father's bringing um, is what will allow ears to hear. It will allow those who have a passion to have their eyes aligned with his ways and be committed there. And then in that, those who um, are focused and are allowing, it's kind of like when the weak are made strong, you know, that meek that they're allowing that point of strength to be applied, you know, your joy, we know that our, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, the joy increases when you're being applied exactly as the father would direct. And, you know, those who were poor in spirit are able to um, have the fullness that then they bring about that point of restoration through their dance. So I don't know if I explained that very clearly, but Unless anyone else has some more insight there, we'll go on to the, the next, which is Isaiah 43, verses 8 through 9. Let's see, what did I do? I'm sorry. I'm just talking to myself because I really thought I made a statement after this Zephaniah one. Like I typed it up and I have nothing there. That's okay. Let's go back to Isaiah 43. <laughs> so... And it says in verse 8, bring forth the blind, and this is our word. So bring forth those who will be devoted and focused on one thing. The blind people that have eyes, this is our word, I-N. So bring forth those who will be focused on the thing that is committed and aligns with the ways of the Lord. And the deaf ears, and the deaf that have ears. You know, it's so interesting because the blind that have eyes, you know, it's like it's that... Um, you have to have somebody who has a devotion and a passion to be able then to focus your vision on exactly what the Lord is doing and the deaf that have ears. And when it says that have ears, that the ear word for ears actually means to expand or to broaden out the ear with the hand. Like you think of somebody saying, wait, what did you say? You know, you put your hand there to bring in more of the sound, more understanding, more of what's being heard. And it says in verse 9, let all the nations or the goy be gathered together and let the people, which the word for people also has to do with nations or a community, be assembled, meaning gathered together for any purpose. And it says, who among them can declare? And so it's interesting because, you know, you're bringing forth those that have passions. You're bringing forth those that would be devoted to the way of the Lord. And then you have those in the nations. You know, it's kind of like, the leaves of the righteous trees or for the healing of the nations. So then you have these in the nations coming and, and these next couple of verses, or maybe, yeah, it's almost like they're have this opportunity 
to either defend where they've been standing and continue to bring witnesses so they can continue in how they've been or to hear the truth of what's released and then submit to it. And so when it says, um, so let them all be assembled together, who among them can declare, which declare means to stand boldly in opposition, this and show or Shema, so hear intelligently and obey us former things. And you know, there's the question mark there, former things, which former things, the word things has to do with Rashan, which is first in time, place, or rank. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear, so Shema, hear intelligently the word of the Lord and obey, and say, it is truth. So it is a met, which we know to be that truth that we have heard at the right hand of the Father. Um, and then in verse 10 says, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So the Father was encouraging his people that even those who had committed to a purpose which was off-center with the ways of God would not be able to provide those, they wouldn't be able to provide ones who had a testimony that were going to trump the truth of the Father, essentially. When the nations hear the truth, they will either listen intelligently to the truth that's being released from the right hand of a leave, or they will hold fast to what they first focused their eyes on, but it will not be enough to overcome the plans of God. And we know it is his truth that pierces bone from marrow. And for those who are looking for a purpose and have stretched themselves out to broaden the understanding of what they're hearing, their devotion will be aligned with the ways of God. Um, so, go ahead. Um, I think Pastor Ron taught on the former things fairly recently, too. And he, he said that this is like a first fruits. It's like a sharpened prince that's able to cut through opposition in order to um, show what needs to be done. To be revealed. Very yeah. good. So, to do what needs to be done, is what she said. <laughs> All right. And then the last verse I have here in Zephaniah, it outlines more or less what occurs when one has a purpose that's not focused on their God and they don't allow their eyes to be opened. Um, and this is Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And it starts in 16 and says, A day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers, and I will bring distress which is the word tassar, which means to cramp or an adversary to make something narrow upon men that they shall walk. And this comes back to that pathway because it's the word halak, which roots to yalak, meaning to lead, to march more and more um, or continually. One who is like a tail bearer plus a traveler, or one who wanders. You know, I know I did type up something with this. I, that's why I brought my computer. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> So they travel like blind. So they travel like those who are focused on one purpose, but it's not the Lord. Um, they travel like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. And we know that sinning is missing the mark of his plans and purpose. And their blood shall be poured out as dust. So as ashes or as rubbish, their, 
their blood, their life, their substance, and their flesh, which means their actual flesh or to consume as the dung. So I figured David would appreciate. Dung really means gelel, which is dung balls. So look <laughs> 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 at now, right? <laughs> so neither their silver or gold, so neither their wisdom or their understanding, their revelation, that gold, shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, which is an outburst of passion, but the whole land shall be devoured by fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance, or speedy is to tremble inwardly, a sudden alarm or agitated, and of course riddance is complete destruction of those that dwell in the land. So it's one of those, if you're not going to have your eyes and your passions focused on him, then his passion is going to come against you and it is going to completely destroy or annihilate those things that aren't aligning with his ways. Um, so that is all I have. We were like 15 minutes early, but you know, the point being too, which I think it's been said, but that we want to make sure again, that as we go into the nations that we are seeing there are points of strength, but that we're helping to direct, that we're helping them to see that the journey that they've been on is not to beat them down or to make them um, less, if that makes sense. Because sometimes people look at the, the path they've taken, and, oh, well, mine doesn't look like theirs, or, you know, look how they did this first. And that it's not about that, but it is about the journey that God has you on so that your passion, your heart is solely focused on his way alone. And that even that we continue in that pathway as well so that we can continue to be as Ananias, so that we can be the trees that bring the healing and the understanding and that we bring the support because of our devotion and our single eye on his ways. So, amen. I don't know if anyone else has any other thoughts before. I'll just go back to your Acts scripture there yeah. since we're on that page and, and <laughs> ending the, the other end, one. Right? Yeah, I was just looking at the word episteme. And um, that another way to, to describe that is that Ananias was ready to be used in in the points of the histemi and what needed, what right. God had sown into that place. You know, and it makes me think too, because isn't it... Um, you know, glory talks about the imposition of, you know, his glory on us. So if he was functioning in that same thing, he was bringing the glory of the Lord to bear in that place, you know, kind of that covering over. So I, I was thinking about th that as well. I was, I was looking at how Ananias came to Saul and he, he actually took that broad vision of what Saul thought was what God wanted and narrowed it down, which matches up with, you know, what you, uh, what we discovered about, what was that, uh, in, in Zephaniah, and I will bring distress. Right. I, I will bring a narrowing down. I will make it, it a straight path that that will not go where you know it has to go this way or it won't get to where you need to be right that's a really good way to look at that too because you think about you know that narrowing 
narrow is the path that leads to life and few find it, but broad is the path to destruction. So the father's always trying to narrow, you know, teachings we've had in the past about the narrowing and the pressing in and that being essential. But you realize that narrowing is also God leading us on the path that's going to lead us to his passion. That's going to lead us to partner with his kingdom purpose. And your perspective of that, whether it's either restricting or whether, whether it's bringing a point of freedom is based on your eyesight. Right. Whether you're exactly. blind or whether you're being delivered from that into a point of blind to everything else and only to the path of God. Right. You can see. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your vision. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for the passion that you've placed within us. And let us continually seek to align ourselves with your eyes.